Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Judd Wilhite, and I wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, Central's a place where it's okay to not be okay. And we are so glad that you're here. I hope you enjoy this message. All right. Good to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Let me just plant a seed in some of your hearts. At the end of our message today, I wanna give some of you an opportunity to be baptized. If you've never been baptized, if you've been thinking about it, uh, if you've never taken that step. So at the end of our service, we'll invite people to come down who wanna be baptized. We've got everything set up outside, everything you'll need, and it could just be a moment to really mark uh, what God is doing in your life in a powerful way. We'll talk some more about it, but I'm just giving you a heads up now. Um, how many of you have pets at home? How many of you talk out loud to your pets all the time? Like they're people, you know? I do this. I talk to our dog all the time. I'm like, hey, man, you know, like, had a long day today, you know, I'm pretty, pretty tired right now. And, you know, I'm, you know and, and it dawns on me when I'm going on and on and on to our little dog that, like, she can only understand, like, three words. She can understand food and eat and walk. And after that, she just looks at me waiting to see if it's one of those. She's a master at reading body language, but at least our dog, I don't think she can understand hardly anything. But I still talk to her out loud all the time. In fact, my wife, Lori, posted this on social media recently. She said, find yourself a man who looks at you the same way my husband looks at the dog he didn't want. <laughs> but look at that little puppy face, you know, even though she's not a puppy anymore. Um, yeah, I love her. I, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little crazy for this, uh, for this dog. And I talk out loud to her. I mean, why do we do that? Why do we talk out loud to animals that don't even... Have you ever thought about it? You're really just talking to yourself. But the truth is, I think we do that because we are hardwired for connection. We need to connect. We need to connect with other people. We need to be connected. I, I, I read this past week that over 50% of people... Uh, say that they feel lonely some or all of the time. I read that in the United States, Las Vegas is ranked as the third loneliest city in America. And loneliness can lead to depression, to anxiety. It's all interconnected, but it also can lead to like serious health problems. You know, the Surgeon General um, has stated that loneliness can lead to premature death at the same rate as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Like, we need community. And you know where it became super apparent was just a couple years ago in the middle of the pandemic. We had the shutdown, we had all those dynamics, and people were cut off from community and cut off from each other. And I remember back then the Gallup organization did a poll just checking in on the state of Americans' mental health. And what they found is that in that moment, Americans' mental health was at its lowest level since they started doing these kinds of studies. And it didn't matter if you were a Democrat or Republican, didn't matter your race, didn't matter if you had money or didn't have money, didn't matter how big your family was, Americans' mental health was completely tanking because we were cut off from community and from one another. But they found there was one group whose mental health remained the same and in some cases even ticked up just a little bit. And that group, according to Gallup, was the group of people that attended weekly religious services. Now, by the way, you, you, you don't have to believe me. You can Google this. You can read this on your own. It's all out there. But 
Why is it that people that attended religious services were able to sort of maintain a semblance of sanity when everybody else was sort of going off the cliff edge? Well, I think part of the answer is that we need each other and coming together and connecting. We connect with God. We connect with one another. We connect with the message of hope. We experience something called positive peer pressure where we influence each other in a positive way. You know, like my mom, I used to always tell my mom, like, it doesn't matter who I hang out with. I influence them. They don't influence me. Right? And only when you get older and you look back, you realize what a, what a load that was, you know? We're all influenced by our surroundings, by the people we're with, but, but church is a place where you get what we might call positive peer pressure in a good way. And all of that can, can help us remain grounded in the ups and downs of life. Now, we've been in this teaching series called The Way. We, we've been looking at how the early followers of Jesus were known as followers of the way. Uh, Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we've been looking at his last prayer in John chapter 17, right before his arrest and crucifixion. Jesus prays this amazing prayer, and we get a picture not only of Jesus' heart at the end of his life, but we also get a picture of his heart for the church. Jesus says in the book of Matthew, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And so Jesus in his final extended prayer has a moment where he's praying about his people, his church, his, the community that would follow him and who he hoped and desired uh, that we would be. So check this out. John chapter 17, beginning in verse one. Let's read this again. We get to the red word. Say them out loud here with me. But Jesus prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. Now, that word glory or glorify, those words in one form or another are used pretty much more than any single word throughout Jesus' prayer. Again and again and again, you're going to see the word glory. So he says, um, he says, you know, give me glory so that he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is what? The way. This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. And we unpacked some of that last weekend. But Jesus in his prayer is going to kind of highlight a few different things. And one of the things he highlights is glory. Now, glory could be translated renown, to make God's name renowned, to give him glory, right? Uh, or we, we might put it this way. If we want to be a church community that is like one Jesus prayed for, then one of our primary purposes should be to make God famous, to make God famous. Uh, you know, there's a lot of famous people in the world, some of them are so famous, I can just say their first names and you guys can tell me their last names. Like we got Dwayne the Rock. That's right, that's easy, right? When you get to the richest list uh, in the world, you got a guy named Elon. Right, love him or hate him. He's out there. One of my favorite actors of all time, Denzel. Come on, did you hear how loud that was? Denzel, my man. Uh particular uh, female artist right now out 
touring the, you know, America and going to tour the world and doing the longest tour on earth and, you know, cranking out multiple records a year and, you know, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And my daughter may have actually gone on a road trip with some friends to Los Angeles this past week to catch one, I guess what was her last American tour date, but now she's added more. Who am I talking about? Taylor. That's right. Any Swifties? Yeah, hey, yeah. Some of you are like, I'm, I'm not admitting it. <laughs> I've aged out of admitting that. A lot of people just want to be famous. You, you know, like you watch the, the Voice or American Idol and you talk, you know, you hear these people, they're sitting there like, why, why, why do you want to be the next American Idol? Oh, I just want to be famous. Oh, okay, so why do you want to be famous? I just do. I want to be famous, right? Like for some people, that's, that's the goal. Have you ever thought about this? Um, Fame, as we know it today, is kind of a new construct. Like, like, prince, like kings and princes and generals in the ancient world would have a level of fame, but nothing like today. Like fame as we know it today is an invention of the last 50 years, 100 years, max. You know, and it's, fame comes with its own burden and its own weight. And you can see that because as much as people want to be famous, isn't it true that so many famous people have found that fame destroyed them? And we see that. And I think maybe, I would just suggest, maybe part of the answer is we actually weren't created to be famous. Maybe we were created to make God famous, right? Maybe we weren't created to simply be made much of. Now, it doesn't feel bad when somebody makes much of you, right? I get that. But maybe fundamentally, if that's where it stops, it becomes a problem and our ego grows and our blind spots grow and our sort of, we, we inflate ourselves and then we make all kinds of mistakes because maybe we were ultimately made not to just be made much of, but to make much of God. And those that tend to handle fame and those things the best, it seems to me, are people people that, that take what's then given to them and deflect it onto the one that is greater than them. They, we're made to make God famous. And we as a church community want to bring him glory and declare his renown. Look at what Jesus says. John chapter 17. Check this out. Beginning in verse 4. He says, I brought what? Glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Now, that word glory is interesting. In the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew equivalent for that word, and you, it's the word kavod. And kavod literally means weight, heavy, like a rock has kavod. <laughs> An anchor has kavod. Uh, it means like substance, heavy in a literal sense. Um, Symbolically, it starts to refer to people that have weight. We might say in English they have gravitas. Or we say like, dude's heavy, man. He's heavy. You know, like, you don't mess with him. He's, he's heavy. Like when they speak, there's an authority there. Like you want to listen to that, right? You want to you lean in. And so as you read through the Bible, God more than any other has kavod. He has weight. He has substance. He has power and beauty. His character is good. He's mighty. He's strong. He's available. We may, we're made to give him kavod, to acknowledge his kavod, to acknowledge that he's the one who's heavy. He's worthy. 
And we're created to worship him. And so when you and I, when we come to church, you know what we do? We sing. We sing songs. Why? We're declaring God's fame. We're making him famous through our words. When you got in your car today and you came to church, whether you know it or not, you were declaring the fame of God, right? You're like, ah, nobody even saw me. I just got in my car. Well, eventually, like your neighbor's like, I don't know where they go, but they go at the same time every week. So it's either like a really consistent grocery run or those people go to church. You're like declaring something. And have you ever had that? You walk in church and sometimes when you walk in, you ever had this experience? You're not really into it. You know, the parking was crazy. The dude cut you off in the church parking lot. Can you believe that? And then you come in and like you try to check your kid in, but the line's a little longer. And then, then you know, the service begins and you're like, all right, man, you know, here this is. But they didn't, you know, the first song, you're like, I don't know this song. It's a new song. The heck? Sing songs we know. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, or you look around and like other people are worshiping and you're like, ah, I'm just not feeling it right now. It's been a hard week. It's been tough. That's how sometimes we start with worship. But here's what happens. As we watch other people sing, as we watch other people worship, as we listen, as we eventually like start trying to pull ourselves together, and then as the service goes on, you know, we start mumbling a little bit or even singing. We start directing our attention to God. You know what we're reminded when we come together? Every week we're reminded, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Life is not ultimately about me. You wanna know one of the most powerful things that happens in our lives when we come to church? is that simple fact. You just look around and remember, oh, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. It's about God. It's about him and his fame, his goodness, declaring his name, giving him praise. That's good for you, that's good for me. We need that, right? We need that, you know what? Worship, it recenters you, it grounds you, and that's how In a lonely season, in a pandemic season, people that came to church and worshiped found that their mental health held and even improved. They needed the recentering on a regular basis. Here's what happens when we worship. Just a couple quick thoughts. Uh, One is this. It has a, a tendency to reframe your fears. So you come in and you begin to worship and declare God's fame, and it reminds you that all the stuff that we come in and we're concerned about, you know, we have fears about money and bills and family and future and dynamics and where we're going and where we're gonna live and what we're gonna do. Like, none of that is bigger than God. God's bigger than all of our problems, all of our drama, all of our stuff, and God is big enough to handle it. Worship reframes those fears in our lives. It puts them back in the place where they belong. And then another thing it does is it it restores your spirit. When you come together and worship, it has a way of just, just reorientating your life and restoring your spirit. And so I want to challenge you this year, make it as we're heading into a new school year, a new season, make a commitment every week to come to church every week that you can to worship, why? To declare God's fame, to make him famous. Listen, when you show up at church, you're making him famous. When you commit to pray and and study the Bible, you're making him famous. When you commit to raising your kids in God's ways, you're making him famous. When you uh, pray for a friend or share your story with somebody, you're making him famous. When you live your faith out in a practical way, you're making him famous. When you stop and help somebody in a super practical way this week, you're making him famous. Every, Every small or 
large act that you do for God is about declaring his glory, his goodness. God, we're here to make you famous. The church is the only place you're going to go in a given week that should be entirely and completely focused on God. God is the focus. God is the star. If there's a celebrity in the house, it's God. He's the one. And we look to him. We're here to make him famous. Here's another thought, and that is we want to be the church Jesus prayed about, a community that can help hurting people. We've got to keep God's word. Keep God's word. Uh, I saw Simon Sinek, this thought leader on social media, do this amazing piece where he talked about how he sat down with the Navy SEALs, and he asked the Navy SEALs how they pick members for SEAL Team 6. Now, SEAL Team 6 is like the most elite SEAL team, right, there, there is. And you're talking about what may be the most high-performance organization on the planet. I mean, the best of the best of the best. We have a friend who's a Navy SEAL, and for him to just get through training a couple years ago, he's incredibly athletic, incredibly smart. He made it through all the tests, all the things. He actually cleared, and he became a SEAL. And about two hours after the final cutoff, he was in the hospital. It about killed him. And he had to be in the hospital for over a week to recover enough to go back. That's what it takes. But he was willing to push himself to that level, and he got through it. A lot of people blow out in the process. So he was blessed to have gotten that far before he kind of hit his wall. How do they pick SEALs? So he said that he asked the Navy, this, the Navy SEALs this question, and they drew him a graph. And they said, on one, hand, one side of the graph, you have performance. And on the other side, you have trust. And uh, when it comes to performance, yeah, everybody wants somebody who's high performance, right? Hello. And when it comes to trust, everybody wants somebody who's high trust because you got to trust this person with your life. But what the SEALs have found, and by the way, he asked them, how do you define trust? And the SEALs said this, trust isn't just can you trust somebody with your life. Trust means can you trust him with your wife and with your money? Bunch of guys, right? In other words, do they really have your back and would they have it? in all circumstances. That's trust, right? So what they found is everybody wants somebody who's high performance, high trust. Nobody wants somebody who's low performance, low trust. But they found somebody that's high performance and low trust actually can become a toxic leader and a toxic team member, and they avoid those people. So performance alone, you can be the smartest, brightest, fastest dude on the planet and not become a part of SEAL Team 6 because they're not picking you just based on your performance. They said they would rather have, they've learned through experience, somebody who's a medium performer high on the trust scale because they'll be an amazing team member. They would even take somebody that's low as a performer and super high on the trust scale. Cynic talks about the fact that it's interesting, almost every organization on the planet has all kinds of metrics for how to measure performance and none for how to measure trust. The SEALs, the most high-performance organization on the planet, would tell you performance is important, but you know what's also important? Trust. You know what trust gets to? Character, honesty, integrity. Can I trust you with my money? Can I trust you around my family? Can I trust you to have my back? Can I trust you to be the person you say you are? Can I trust you to be honest and truthful? Can I trust you to watch my six even if it hurts you? That's what trust ultimately means. Who specializes in trust? The church community. We are, a, we are the training ground for the spiritual SEAL Team Sixes of trust. That's what we do. What do I mean? 
I mean, as we follow God and follow his word, God is helping us become more honest, people of integrity, people who are committed to him, people who are truthful, people who can be trusted, people who will watch each other's backs, people who will do what we say we're gonna do, people who their yes is yes and their no is no, people who walk the walk, people who talk the talk but walk it, people who are trying to live it out in their life, not perfectly, but this is who we're trying to become. The church is completely unique in that we're trying to raise up spiritual SEAL Team 6 men and women. And the way we do that is we keep God's word. Look at what Jesus prays. Look at what Jesus prays. Check this out. John chapter 17, verse 13. He says, now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they will be filled with my joy. I have given them your what? I've given them your word. And he says, so that we could be filled with joy. He goes on to say, sanctify them by your truth, which is a word that means like set apart, set them apart by your truth. Um, I mean, when you look at the early followers of Jesus, it says the first thing they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching. They were committed to the word of God. That's why every time you come into Central, we open up the Bible. I don't teach from People Magazine. We don't just talk about current events. I don't go on political rants. There is something bigger than that, more important than all of that, and that will outlast all of that, and that is the word of God. And our call is to, as a church community, anchor on that. I mean, you know, some of you, maybe you're like, if you've been around Central for a while, you're like, I don't know, they just kind of do the same thing every week. Like, I come in, we sing some songs, a dude gets up, talks about some stuff, then a guy gets up, and, or a gal, and opens up the Bible, and they talk about the Bible, and it's like the same every week. Can't you guys change it up a little bit? Like, like couldn't we do karaoke one week? Or, you know, let's bust out a talent show. Like, there's some really talented people, man. Let's get a talent show going. And, and, you know, and... The short answer would be, look, look, we want to be a simple community that's committed to worship and to the word. We're committed to making God famous. We're committed to trying to keep God's word. The early believers gave themselves first to the apostles' teaching. That's why we open the Bible. That's why we talk about it. I mean, when you think about it, like, like, like some people view church like you would a Yelp review. Some of you are Yelpers, right? You know what I'm talking about. Like you go to a restaurant, you're like, oh, it was good. The host seated us quickly. The food came out right on time. You know, I watch these social media influencers at restaurants, like taking photos with the food, you know, like, like doing all the things. Some people kind of rate churches that way. You know, they pull up and they're like, yeah, you know, the parking was a little crazy. You know, it kind of wasn't the best start, you know, with the parking. And uh, it was hot. That bothered me. I guess it's not the church's fault, but still, you can blame it on God. Um, I, I came in and, you know, it was a little too friendly. A lot of, lot of friendly people, kind of like, wow, you people are friendly. And then I, I came in and, you know, I sat down and, and man, like the music started and it was a lot. You know, there was lights and production. It's like, am I at Cirque du Soleil? What's happening here, you know? And they sang for a while, and then this guy gets up. I, I don't know who this dude was, but like, I mean, he's got, his, can he not afford jeans that aren't ripped up? I mean, you know, like, I'll kick into a special fund to buy the dude some jeans that don't have holes in them. What's going on with that? And it's sort of like we come to church, and we start looking at it like a Yelp review. But have you ever thought about this? 
How does God review a church? You think God cares about the parking lot or the heat or the air conditioning or whether I got ripped up jeans or not? I think when God's looking out at a church, he wants to see a heart in that church community that's like Jesus prayed for. It's people that are committed to him and to making him famous, that put him first, that are trying to come back to him. It's people that want to keep his word and grow in his word and receive it as his revelation and be faithful to it. Don't look at church like a Yelp review without pausing first and thinking about what is God looking for when he looks to his church. See, I think all that stuff's important. We try to do the best we can with all of those things. Why? Because we want to do excellent things. We want to give God our very best. But at the end, we know all of those things that we talked about are not the main things. The main things are the glory of God and keeping his word and being a faithful community to him and being a place where more people can come and know Jesus and grow in their faith. That's the kind of community we want to be. It's the kind of community Jesus prayed for. In fact, I want to just say a word to those of you who are here. I'm so glad you're here. I said this last week, but many of you weren't here last week. Listen, um, we have a need in our faith community for people that can to make a shift in their spiritual life to attending church on Saturday. And so we do a Saturday night service at 5 p.m. I know not all of you can make it. That's okay. I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just saying if it's neither here nor there for you, we need some more people to come on Saturday. And here's why. Because when a person comes to church for the very first time, when are they going to come? They're probably going to come at Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. And when they pull up for the parking, from parking to coming in the building to checking in their kids, we're just trying to relieve a little bit of space as we go into this fall, as people begin to come back to church and re-engage. We want to be a welcoming place for them. I want you to know, just by committing in this season to go to church on Saturday, some of you, that simple commitment will create space where people will literally come to faith and begin to take spiritual steps in their life. And here's the thing about Saturday. Uh, parking isn't an issue. Getting in the building isn't an issue. Checking your kids in is easy. And then when it's all over, you're done at like six o'clock, bro. You can still go do all the Vegas things, go do whatever you want to do. And then Sunday morning comes and you're like, <laughs> just going to sleep, man. It's awesome. I already went to church. You say to your neighbors, like, don't judge me. What are you going to, you don't know nothing. I went on Saturday. Just saying, like, if, you can, if, you, if, if it doesn't work for you, that's fine. I always say to people, like, now, tomorrow, next week, don't look at me like, oh, I'm here on Sunday. Oh, my gosh, she's looking at me. Like, no. It's not like that. There's no guilt. There's no judgment. I get it. I'm just, over the next few weeks, you're going to hear me talk about it. I'm going to try to move some people into our Saturday night services. We got plenty of space. We're trying to fill that service up because we know as we go into the fall, we're going to have more opportunities where people come to church for the first time at 10 and at noon here at Henderson. We want to create space for them as they come in. We want to be a church community that helps people. In fact, I um, was shocked a few weeks ago when I saw in the news, as many of us did, that Sinead O'Connor had passed away, 56 years old. Um, she had a number one hit song back in 1990. It was a controversial figure. She had been through a lot of abuse. She had also faced um, you know, some real struggle 
uh, in, her, in her life. And she'd been very open and honest about her own struggle with mental health and uh, how she had tried to process that in her life. In 2017, she posted this tear-filled video to Facebook where she said, I'm all by myself. There's absolutely nobody in my life. About a year ago, her 17-year-old son took his own life. And she tweeted, he was the love of my life, the lamp of my soul, the only person who ever loved me unconditionally. I am lost without him. Now, her cause of death has not been revealed. The police have only said that it's not suspicious. But it breaks my heart to think that there are a lot more people than just her who feel alone right now in their life. You feel like they don't have anybody, that nobody cares. And friends, the church community, we're the place where people can come and find people that care, people that will watch each other's backs, people that are trying to follow God and live with integrity, people that are trying to grow as people and grow in their faith, people that are willing to pray for one another when we're down, to help each other when, when we're hurting, to lift each other back up. We're a church community that's committed not to judge, but instead to offer hope and healing and help people get up and walk in the love of God. That's who we are. And so this season, I want to encourage you to jump in. You know, next week we have a special opportunity. If you're new around here at Central, we have a thing uh, after our, each of our experiences called Coffee with the Pastors. You can just come hang out for a few minutes with different pastors, get to know some of our team, our staff. We would love to meet you there. I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, you can find out more information about that at central.family, and uh, you can jump in. You can join us. First Step is coming up in a couple weeks. It's a great way to get involved if you're not already involved. Uh, Man Cave, Women's Night Out, groups, all kinds of things are happening and going, kicking back up. Celebrate Recovery meets each week as uh, <coughs> our CR people. It's an awesome community, helping people deal with hurts and habits and hangups. Look, go to central.family. There's so many ways you can get involved, but we're here for you and to help you. We want to help empower you to keep going no matter what season of life you're in, to find hope and find strength. And as a church, we want to be faithful to make God famous and faithful to teach his word. And I want to give some of you an opportunity to be baptized as we wrap up our experience. I want to encourage some of you, if, if you've never been baptized, let me tell you real quick what it is. Baptism, we just go down under the water and we come up out of the water. And the Bible in Romans chapter six gives us this picture. It says Jesus was um, crucified for us. He was buried and then he rose again. And it says in baptism, we are buried with Christ. We're united with him in his death and we come up out of the water. We're united with him in his resurrection and we begin to walk in a new life. And if you've never been baptized, this is a moment for you to mark that new life. Some of you are like, I got to get my life worked out. I got to have everything kind of put together in order to get baptized. And so, but listen, that's not the case. All you need to be baptized is you need to be a, a, a devoted follower of Jesus who's willing to commit your life to him. That's it. In fact, Taking that step spiritually can be a powerful, transformative moment in your life. In fact, put your hands together if you remember your baptism and it was a powerful moment for you in your life. So don't take it from me. Take it from them, right? Take it from them. 
So here's what we want to do. I want to invite our team out. We have everything you need to get baptized. We got change of clothes. We got towels. We got everything you could possibly think of and then some. So in a moment, our team's going to come out. They're going to lead us in a song. We're going to all stand together. And if you want to be baptized, I just encourage you to come out wherever you're at. Even if you're in the upper deck, just come out, make your way down and meet me and our team down front. We're going to gather down front and then we will walk you out these side doors uh, on each side and take you around to our outside area and we'll be doing the baptisms out there. We'll go out there and celebrate with you. So would all of you stand together with me and uh, as you do, if you'd like to be baptized, come on out from wherever you're at and as people are coming, let's put our hands together and celebrate them. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Come on, just step out faith. Come down front as we sing this. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Come on, let's put our hands together as people come down front. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. I know more of you want to be baptized. Come on, don't be shy. God's touching you. Come on, come down. Let's go. Put your hands together. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I'm gonna sing the victory. I'm gonna sing the victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm gonna sing the victory. I'm gonna sing the victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Who is singing? You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Well, hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe and review this podcast and connect with us on social media by following at Central Online. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Central. You can simply visit centralchurch.online slash give, and you can give a gift today. And thanks again for joining us on the Central Church Podcast.